This is Stephen Strang, and I am so excited that the audio version of my new book, God, Trump, and COVID-19, just came out. And uh, this was a first for me because I read it myself, and I just got a copy yesterday, and I had to talk about it. Of course, it's available on Amazon and on Audible. You can also get it at my own website, stevestrangbooks.com. And I just wanted to kind of throw that in before I talk about the book itself. And I'm going to share with you a podcast that I did with Dr. Steve Green. He's the publisher and the executive vice president of our media group. And when the book first came out, we sat down in this podcast studio where I am now, and he and I talked about it. And he ran it on his Green Lines podcast, which you can also find on the Charisma Podcast Network. And today... He sent me an email, and he told me that the podcast, like, blew up. People were apparently interested in it, which, of course, I was happy to hear. And so I said, I want to put that on my podcast as well. So I wanted to record this introduction, and what you will hear next is my podcast with Dr. Steve Green just talking about this book. I believe it's important. That's why I wrote it. I wrote it because I thought it was important, and I hope it will motivate you to read it and at the end, I will come back with some more comments. Let's just find out how he's been surviving this pandemic. Well, Steve, how are you? Well, hello to you, and it's nice to be on with you. I'm used to being on the other side of the microphone. I know, it's for different, For my podcast it? and doing a lot of media for my books, but I'm excited to talk about this book, and this is literally the first interview I've done about this book. How have I been surviving? Well, here in Central Florida, we have not really been hammered with it Mm -hmm. so much. Of course, they've had everyone's shelter in place. Uh, Someone said this is the only pandemic in history where the healthy are quarantined. Hmm. Think about it. Good point. Our offices have been opened, although we have a lot of people working from home, but in a way we've been going full blast. I I think the main thing difference for me is I don't go out to restaurants all the time, but now we go by and get it in carry out. Apparently some states can't even do that, but mm-hmm. we do carry out. I enjoy coming into the office. So a lot of, in a lot of ways, my life has gone on. And of course, all the interest in COVID-19 has made my podcast soar, you know, on the Strang Report on the Charisma Podcast Network. Notice how I slipped that shameless promotion in. We'll edit that out for you. <laughs> okay. That's right. <laughs> so edit. how many downloads do you have now on the Strang Report this month? Well, I just over, happen to know it's 431,000. 431,000 people have downloaded your show. But that's only half of last month. That's right. I had one podcast that did 350,000, and it was on prayers and prophecies. And I was mm-hmm. just talking about uh, kind of the prophetic aspect of what's been going on. And I had all these interviews, and also everyone's focused on COVID-19, and it's been you know, awkward, I guess, to talk about God, Trump, the 2020 election, which is my new book, which is actually doing pretty well and is continuing to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, because we had so many copies in Sam's and Walmart and BJ's, and those have all stayed open. So I guess yeah. when people go in to get toilet paper and paper towels or whatever they buy they or groceries, <laughs> you know, they see it on the shelf. And, uh, you know, so the sales have been pretty good. But I, you know, I wanted to be able to talk about it in the context of the election, because, of course, when I wrote the book in the autumn, we had no idea there would be 
any kind of sickness, pandemic, anything that would affect the economy. And I had listed that in God Trump 2020 election. I had a chapter on why Trump might lose and and the economy going in the tank was Mm -hmm. one of the things. And suddenly all this is going on. Then suddenly the prophets, you know, we're finding out that Chuck Pierce foresaw a plague starting in January that would uh, test us until Passover, which is the way, the literal thing he said. Then there are people saying that there's going to be a great awakening. And suddenly I thought, I need to do a ebook. And at the same time, our Charisma House uh, book publishing arm is uh, doing several ebooks with people like Chuck Pierce is one of them. Mm-hmm. Michael Brown. Michael Brown, a, a pastor, Bill Johnson, Dr. Don Colbert, and also Dr. Tim Clinton. And there's a strategy. They're doing them quickly. Uh, they're a little bit shorter. A lot of the sales are going to be digital for all the reasons you'd understand. Sure. Part of it's speed. And so I thought, well, I'll do one. So I just kind of sat down and did it. I got an editor to work with me. From the day I got the idea until the book was totally finished was 19 days. And so somebody on... How many pages is it? Well, with a digital book, it's a little hard to tell, but I think about 125 pages. Mm -hmm. So how many words? It's uh, 28,000 words, which is about a two-hour read for the average person. Then there's an 8,000-word appendix, but it is a day-by-day timeline of exactly what happened Uh, mainly with President Trump. You know, he appointed Fauci on a certain day. He did the travel ban on a certain day. He started his news conferences on a certain day. He was attacked by the left about so-and-so on a specific, I mean, day by day by day. And in fact, as it's it's going off to Amazon, we will print some copies and it'll actually release on May 12th. I realize some people will hear this afterwards. I'm excited about it because we're going to release it digitally and really push that. We've never really done it because we're basically trade publishers, and the trade has just all changed. So rather than rely, we're not going to abandon trade. We're just going to supplement it or move in a different direction and not depend on it. I guess that's what it is. And to get the word out quickly because there's so much to understand a lot of Christians don't even really understand what's going on. A lot of people just get tired of the yeah, 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 yeah they hear on the media every day. I mean, I, I, I don't even turn it on as much as I used to, and I'm kind of a, what, what's the expression they use, news junkie? I mean, mm-hmm. I just, you know, check all the sites and watch Fox News every night and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people aren't like me, so they don't really know what's going on. They're confused on why everything shut down. They don't, but really, they don't understand the spiritual applications of what God is doing. So that's what I, the Lord opened up a bunch of doors with information that I wouldn't have necessarily had otherwise. So I just try to put it together in a meaningful way. And again, it's a spiritual aspect. And also, is it possible that this will spark some kind of great awakening that we've all been waiting for? Yes. Well, I want to introduce the title of the book and make sure that we've covered that part since you're already describing your book for us, and I'm excited to hear more about it. So the name of the book is God, Trump, and COVID-19, and you wrote it in 19 days. It's a coincidence. (laughs) It's just purely coincidence. Well, people of the Spirit never think anything's coincidence. Of course, it it was discovered in uh, 2019. That's why the 19 is there. It was the last week of the year, Mm -hmm. but they... They stuck a 19 on it, and uh, of course, COVID is short for 
corona and virus, and I guess the D stands for data. I ought to Google it, shouldn't I, and <laughs> see what it stands for. So your subtitle, How the Pandemic Has Affected the World, America, and the 2020 Election. That's a lot to write about in 19 days. And and so you obviously felt led by the Spirit to do this, to put this book out, and to really help all of us understand what Trump's administration is doing to put an end to this pandemic very quickly. And how do you feel he's done? I think he's a tremendous leader. I believe, and in fact, I have a chapter call for such a time as this. You know, I believe that God raised up Donald Trump for a lot of reasons. But, I mean, he has handled this so well. Of course, his opponents blame him for everything. I mean, you know, if, sure. if, the, if, if it's cloudy, they blame him for the weather. You know, I mean, it's just... And, of course, we've documented this before. It's interesting to see it happening again. But, you know, he's had a firm hand. He did the travel ban very early, which probably spared lots and lots of lives. He was horribly criticized by the Democrats, who said that he was a xenophobe, which means he doesn't like certain races, and in this case, the Chinese. And that had nothing to do with it. Actually, Chinese spread it partly because of the Chinese New Year. So many people went to China for the Chinese New Year, you know, which is a big deal. And isn't it interesting that the Chinese knew about it? They they lied about it. I document all this. They said it couldn't be transferred human to human. They said it came from a wet market. It now looks like, no, it, it there was some kind of horrible accident, and it got released from a lab where they have thousands of viruses that they're testing, you know, partly for vaccines or whatever scientists do, but somehow it horribly got out. Then they stopped all flights in China. So in people in Wuhan, where it happened, could not fly around China, but they didn't stop the flights to America and Europe. Isn't that interesting? Mm, sure is. And that's how it spread was those people who were infected. You know, they didn't know it, but they infected it. And that's how viruses grow. It starts with one person. That's how we have the word viral on uh, the Internet is right. it, it spreads like a virus. That's it gets shared. It get and it gets shared, and and yeah. you don't know who it's going to be shared to, or That's why right. it's shared, or or why it it gets really really bad. You know, some are worse than others. So I write about all of this, and I I give uh, President Trump pretty high marks, but I don't. Pu- the purpose of the book was not just to puff President Trump. It wasn't. I I tell what he did and why, and a reasonable reader will come to their own conclusion. Right. But then I talk about the other prophetic things. The most striking, uh, other than the one I mentioned about Chuck Pierce, which is pretty striking, that he would, in September, and actually, uh, he, he does a big thing with Jewish holidays. Mm-hmm. So in September, when it was Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, you know, that's, that was the context in which he, he uh, prophesied that there would be a plague that would test us until Passover, which is the next big one, skipping over Hanukkah, of course, right. which isn't really... Uh, that major holiday. The other one was that Mike Evans, my longtime friend, he and I have known each other uh, since the 1970s, um, he released a prophecy by David Wilkerson. It was 1986. They were having breakfast at the Embassy Suites in, uh, by the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. I've been to that hotel. I knew Mike back in that era. I knew David Wilkerson back in that era. And he took notes and put it in a Bible. Now, when I'm talking to someone like that, you know, I've done it for years. I'll jot down a few notes, and I have little books I keep it in, and once in a while I'll 
stick it in a Bible or whatever I have with me. And Mike found it, and the prophecy was basically this. I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars and the churches and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like never it's never been shaken before. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles, and repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Now, that's pretty dramatic. It is. And it comes down to Mike Evans' word. You know, it was a private conversation. Mike, frankly, forgot about it. Uh, David Wilkerson, of course, has since gone to heaven. And uh, he released it in a very powerful video. And I actually, um, he sent me the video. I watched it. I did a podcast about it. I was fascinated with it. Which went viral. It it really did. And then uh, some people on Facebook uh, started attacking him, as people do, you know, or saying, well, he made it up and all this kind of stuff. Part of it was that one of his children said that she had no recollection of it or something like that. And they all also went to Times Square Church, and they said they had no proof of it, but they also said they could not disprove it. So I uh, sent a personal email, I'm sure he won't uh, mind me saying it, to Gary Wilkerson, his son, who I know slightly. I know him well enough to email him. And I sent him the article off the internet, and I told him that I knew Mike, and I tended to believe Mike, but I just wanted to ask him. And he said, that he didn't know anything about the prophecy, but he said it was certainly the kind of thing his father would say. And then he actually made some observations about his father that I thought were so helpful, I actually included it in my book when I described this. He described him as being a reluctant prophet, a weeping prophet, a prophet who had a prophetic message, but he mixed it with evangelism. And I just thought that that really rang true with David Wilkerson. I mean, I was influenced by him since Cross and Switchblade came out in the early mm-hmm. 1960s when I was a teenager. I got to know him as an adult. I didn't know him well. We weren't peers. But uh, he was on the cover of Charisma magazine a couple of times. I thought so much of him that I actually flew out to his funeral. And that's really where I got to know Gary a little bit was in that setting. And so that was good enough for me. Plus, Mike has shared his handwritten notes with Dr. Michael Brown, who did something on the Internet to say that that in his mind it was valid. And, you know, this is the kind of vetting that we do routinely. I actually did it in my first book where I heard about a Catholic holy man who had predicted in the 1980s that an American businessman named Donald Trump would lead America back to God. And the story goes that basically he said this to a young medical student, Dr. Koran, from Boston who was studying medicine in Italy, kind of become his protege. And he said to him, you mean the New York billionaire playboy? <laughs> and he said yes, and he went on and said a few things. Well, Dr. Koran got his degree, came back as a respected doctor in the Boston area. The holy man, the Catholics have these ways of expressing, but he moved, he was an American who moved there for 30 years. He, he had enough money, I guess, or he lived on nothing, but he basically went to mass all day long and just thought about God and prayed and and was well-known over there. And so uh, when Donald Trump emerged as a candidate for president, Dr. Cran remembered that and sa- told the story to his priest, who is a strong Trump supporter. I got to know his pr- a priest. His name is Father Capaverdi. 
and he did a video telling this story, and it went viral on YouTube, which is how I found out about it. So I actually included my book, and a lot, and I actually had some some of my own editors say, oh, don't use it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I verified it, and people who knew him, who knew this man, Tom Zimmer, who died in 2009, said it was typical of what he would say. He had also predicted the fall of the Berlin Wall and some other things. Mm-hmm. And it came down to, do you believe Dr. Koran or not? So I tracked him down, asked him to call me. He did. We talked for like an hour and a half or two hours. And what I found is when people make stuff up, the last person in the world they want to talk to is the press who is going to publicize their idiocy far and wide. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he talked so freely of it and he remembered details. So I shared it for the reader in my book, God and Donald Trump, for the reader to decide yes. and to ask why God would share that. Because, you know, I'd shared some other stories about prophets. And I just thought it was interesting that this Catholic holy man who had not run in the same circles that you and I do. Uh, In fact, there's a lot of things that came out of that story that I had to admit, as a non-Catholic, I just didn't really understand. Mm -hmm. He was really into Mary's house and really into Mary in a way that, you know, it's hard hard for me to understand. But I felt there was a sincerity, and I, I have no doubt that it happened. So the reason I tell you that story is I had to sort of go through this process to decide that, yes, I could believe Dr. Claude Curran and... I, and in this case, yes, I can believe Mike Evans, who I've known for years. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike is, uh, let's see, this is being recorded. Mike, Mike is a piece of work, <laughs> you know. <laughs> he, you know, he and I have iron sharpened iron. You know, we're like two, we're like two brothers almost. But he is he is magnificent. He, you know, he's on the uh, he did this uh, Friends of Zion Museum, Israel. He has raised millions of dollars. Uh, he is one of the first evangelical uh, Christian Zionists that I ever knew. He's personal friends with Bibi Netanyahu, and he claims that he told Bibi Netanyahu when he was just sort of a beginning his career that he he prophesied that he would be prime minister. I guess that was bonding because they became friends, and of course, when he became prime minister, he of course remembered it in the same way that Ronald Reagan remembered it. That uh, uh, George Otis Senior prophesied that if he would follow God, that he would someday live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And Pat Boone was in that little prayer circle. I tell this story in God Trump in the 2020 election. They were in a little prayer circle there in Sacramento. Uh, There were eight people. Of the eight, only Pat is still living. Hmm. Uh, This had been documented some. It is not widely known, but Pat uh, in my book, recounted it exactly. And Pat knew Ronald Reagan when they both had children at the same junior high school and used to go to sporting events together long before Ronald Reagan ran for president. So, I mean, they were friends for years, kind of like I'm friends with Mike Evans. And so when Pat called Ronald Reagan on election night to congratulate him, he said, Mr. President, do you remember that prophecy? And he said, I thought of it many times. So it's just kind of interesting that these things go on behind the scenes. And, you know, yes, I do think it's a good story. And I try to find stories like this to make the book interesting. So it's just not so many facts or, or certainly that it's not just my opinion. Because I believe that God is at work 
Yeah, I mean, here, God is at work with Ronald Reagan, and who would have known it? You know, they just thought it was a, a conservative grassroots movement, a kind of a reaction to Jimmy Carter and all that kind of stuff. And yes, those things come into play. But I believe that God was at work, and I believe that God is at work with Donald Trump. And that's why I've written these several books about him and why I wrote this new one, God, Trump, and COVID-19, because I believe that it's going to affect the election. I really do. But I also believe that the issues I wrote about, such as the drift to the left and to godlessness in our country, the viciousness of the left, the things that could happen if they get power again, the fact that somehow we have a reprieve for something good to happen. All these issues are going to stay the same. They will just be changed and amplified in some way by COVID-19. So let's stay with that book for a moment, the book you just finished that we're releasing here tomorrow. Uh, we'll give you information on how to get that book, but tell our listeners, we'll have many thousands of people listen to this podcast. Talk directly to the audience and tell them uh, what's in it for them. Why should they read this book? Uh, what will they get from it? What will they learn? Well, there's many things. First of all, all of us need to be informed voters. Uh, too many people either don't register to vote, or if they do, they stay home, or they just vote the party that they grew up with uh, mindlessly. We can't do that. The stakes are too high. And so if for no other reason they get informed and they do it from a Christian perspective, I've read a bunch of these books about Trump. Rarely do they even mention Christians, let alone God. Mm -hmm. And there is something spiritual, and the Christian needs to try to understand that, even to discern in their own spirit if what I am saying is true. So they shouldn't say it because, you know, I've been in this business for a lot of years, and, you know, I, you know what would, somebody might say that I know a lot about this. I really don't. I'm learning like everyone else. So that's the number one thing. The second thing is, is that it will give them arguments when they discuss this with their friends so they don't come off like they don't know anything. Uh, it's also a good read. So, I mean, a lot of people read lots of books and they need to add this to it because it, it's a good read. We have stories like we were talking about. And also because what we're going through is actually historic. And so this gives people maybe an awareness of what's going on in their lifetime rather than just you know, getting paid at the end of the week or being sure your kids get to soccer practice or whatever things we have to do to go through the day. This is much bigger picture. They do it maybe to think or to stretch a little bit, maybe to stretch spiritually. Maybe there are people who go to churches where the prophetic is kind of poo-pooed, or maybe you go to a church like I have where there's prophetic, but it's, it's frankly a little weird. You know, I mean, someone wants to be an apostle or a prophet because somehow it's important and they say all this stuff, thus saith the Lord. In fact, we did a book with John Bevere years ago called Thus Saith the Lord. And it was like, if you're going to say thus saith the Lord, it better be from the Lord. And it and uh, some of the prophets were like a little bit too casual. And the prophecies were like, you're going to get a raise at work or you're, you're going to have that baby you've been praying for. And listen, I've gotten a few words over normal things which were encouraging. I don't discount that, but that is not the purpose of the prophetic. It's really not. It The good thing is that it's one of the parts in the New Testament with pastors, evangelists, mm -hmm. teachers, and the prophets and apostles are kind of put off to the side. Thankfully, God has 
raising that up in the life of the church. So in the life of the church, when people are praying about who to marry or you know, make a life change, there can be prophetic insight. And the way I describe it, and I talk a, a lot on Christian and secular media, is that there are people who are somehow gifted from God to see, or, or they have an ear that's very attuned to what the Spirit would say. And now, I believe it's also available for every believer. I believe that's one of the charismatic gifts. But most of us, myself included, are so busy talking, listening to ourselves, listening to our friends, that often we don't really listen to God. Mm -hmm. Or if we do, it's unclear, or we have second thoughts about it, or we doubt it. And also with one of the things that I say, I've heard myself saying often is, uh, especially when people ask about prophecies that don't come true, and of course there are some who don't come true, or don't, don't come true then. Sometimes you only see it much later. I mean, even like this prophecy with David Wilkerson, he yes. did not live to see the fulfillment of it, yet the bars and the churches are closed. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that the streets in New York City would be empty? I certainly wouldn't. No. I mean, they say it's a city that never sleeps. I've been there. I had to get up one time to be on Fox and Friends. They have, I think it's called Fox and Friends First. It's like at four in the morning. I had never even watched it, <laughs> you know. So I had to get up. And the streets of New York were busy at that hour of the morning, you know, right. people doing whatever they were doing, going to work or whatever. And now, the, of course, I haven't been up there because of this and, and uh, not traveling, but I've seen pictures of it. You know, it, it, uh, the streets are empty. But David Wilkerson did not see it. But there are some pro – in fact, David Wilkerson had a number of prophecies that seem to not be true or they ha they're not true yet. And th the way I understand it without getting bitter or resentful or doubting is the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 that says, Now we see through a glass darkly. And I think that at the spiritual realm, we see through a glass darkly. And if anything, maybe my book is trying to open that up a little bit, maybe to see it through the eyes of the people who I interview. And a lot of the interviews, especially for this book, were actually on my podcast. Uh, I did so many of them that I just used the interviews I had. I did not have to do a lot of other interviewing, which I had to do on my other books, which is one reason why I was able to do it faster. I hadn't really thought about it, but I need to probably put something in the book at the last minute on what some of these podcasts are uh, for people to go to the Charisma Podcast Network and to, and to find them. They're, they're all there. They're in order uh, by date. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting to me that even though I've tried to put on podcasts that are topical and everything else, every single month, Someone will listen to my podcast from 2015, which is just astounding to me that anyone would do it. Most of them are probably out of date. We talk about the 216 election coming up or whatever we talk about. And, of course, that's all ancient history and uh, other things. But yet that just happens. And that's the nice thing about podcasts is they're online basically forever. And you can access them any time of the day or night. And also you could listen to them again if you want to. Well, let's go back to that looking through the glass darkly. And I'd like your insight as a, as a writer, businessman, uh, spiritual leader. Using that filter, what do you think uh, the 2020 election, how will the 2020 election respond to how Trump has handled the pandemic? 
what do you see coming through the glass darkly? What do you think is going to happen in this election? Well, you know, one of the points of writing the book is that everything's kind of up in the air mm -hmm. and so much can change. I mean, at Christmas, I would have never seen this coming. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what is this, four months later and, and the election's more than four months away. So we, we don't know really what's going to happen. But having said that, I think in some ways it'll help Trump because it's actually shown people what a leader he is. And even some of his strongest critics from the other party uh, I, you know, I'm thinking of Cuomo and uh, Governor Cuomo in New York and Governor Gavin Newsom in California have actually been complimentary of him. And they they wouldn't have even hardly said good morning to him. Have a nice day, you know. Right. And it's because he's actually come through and people can see this. I mean, every and also, you know, it's interesting. They would the other side criticizes him. Um, he he talks too much or he doesn't talk enough. He shut the border too soon or he didn't sh shut it enough. They say that he it's a power grab and he's trying to become a dictator or they say Biden, Joe Biden said that he dropped back and punted rather than being a leader by having the governors handle stuff. Well, listen, that's a system we have. Mm -hmm. It was set up that way. If anything, the federal government's taken way too much power and he let the governors decide when they should shut down or open up. I applaud that. I think most Americans look at it and say, hmm, you know, that's right. And now a lot of it's going to depend on if people get really upset about having to be sheltered in place and not being able to go back to work. I mean, look at all the, the demonstrations that have happened in just the last few days. On the other hand, he was smart enough to defer it to the governor. They're going to get mad at the governor instead of at him. I mean, the guy is brilliant. And I don't uh, you know, I'm making it sound like I think he did it for political reasons. I really don't think he did. I think he made the right decision and it will help him politically. And his handling of this crisis, his numbers are very, very high. Yes. And, and much higher than they are in other things. And the fact that he got money into people's pockets uh, quickly, uh, the fact that they did it creatively, all those people who are getting paid by, let's see, the money is going to businesses to keep people employed. All those people would have been unemployed and been paid by the government anyway under unemployment. And so in some ways, the dollars are kind of the same. I mean, of course, you can slice it and dice it, and it's quite complicated. And I go into that a little bit in the book. But I think he's handled it very, very well. Also, I think that it's um, opened people's eyes, or maybe I should say, I hope, is open people's eyes, that almost all the craziness had been in democratically controlled states with democratic governors. And it's almost like they enjoyed the power grab too much. And it's I think it's I think it's scary to see how quickly the government took over things, how our rights are actually in danger. In fact, I go quite a bit into the book about this whole thing with religious freedom, where the government said that liquor stores were essential and churches weren't, hello, where a couple of pastors were actually arrested. Uh, churches have a constitutional right to be open. Liquor stores don't. Mm -hmm. Walmart and Sam's and grocery stores and Home Depot has no constitutional right to be open, yet they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I go to Home Depot you know, I, I try to be careful, but I go in Home Depot. They were checking people at the door to have so many. And so I just asked one of the clerks, how many? And they said 145. Well, of course, the store is used. But they won't let 145 people go to church. Mm -mm. 
I think they should ha- let people go to church, let them six, sit six feet apart and wear a mask if you have to. But I think this is ridiculous. I think it's scary. This is a big part of my book. You know, there's a limit to what I can do uh, right now. And of course, we're trying to be careful. And I think people have decided to err on the side of caution. And Christian people are nice and they go along with it. But I, I'm, I'm almost concerned with how easily the churches have gone along with this. Very few pastors, and it shows how passive pastors are and how passive the sheep are. And I think it's very concerning and, and uh, raises some very interesting questions. On the other hand, it was probably right under the surface, mm-hmm. and this has brought a lot of things to the surface. And I think that that will only help Donald Trump, particularly among Christians, because he's been strong to say, in fact, there have been some court rulings to say Christians do have the right to go to church. And at the church I attend, we have drive-in church, you know, and you listen to it on the FM radio and you can kind of see uh, the pastor on the stage and a couple of singers. Um, I think, I personally think they've taken it way too far, way too far. I think they should have been much more aggressive about trying to figure out who had the disease and quarantine those people. And, um, you know, of course, if I had been exposed to it, which I haven't been, um, I would have self-quarantined in a split second. I mean, I would have, I would have quarantined for my own family. Mm-hmm. They could have slipped me dinner under the door, you know. That's right. Uh, and I would have stayed in there and worked on my book or whatever I would have done. But I'm not afraid of this virus. You know, of course, I'm healthy. And uh, you, uh, most of the people who get the virus, most, the vast majority, and I go into this, although... It was interesting with the statistics, it's a moving target, and we had to be careful. In fact, when I used uh, some of my own newsletters and podcasts from early March, I'd say, oh, there's, you know, there's only like two or 3,000 who've died in America. Well, now, you know, and then I was writing, it was like up to 35, and now it's, you know, in the 50s somewhere. But you know what? That many people die of the flu some years, mm-hmm. and we don't even talk about the flu. In fact, I had a friend born the same month as me a respected pastor. In fact, we were good friends for many years. He died early this year, or actually it was early in 19, so it was a year ago. And I thought he was a picture of health. I said, "Why?" Did I thought he had a heart attack or something. They said, no, he died of the flu, the common flu. I said to myself, nobody dies of the flu. Yet he did, and people do die of the flu, but generally they're in the nursing home or it develops in pneumonia, and everybody says they died of pneumonia, and you really don't know. Because, you know, now I don't personally know anyone who lives near me who has COVID-19. But I have heard of friends in other parts of the country, including one of our authors at Charisma House, Ryan Lestrange, and some different people who got it and recovered. I know of a few people who have relatives who have died, but they're people that normally I wouldn't even know about the people's death, but with COVID-19, word travels. And so we don't really know what's going to happen. My book, I try to make that clear, that this is sort of our understanding of it. You know, I try to talk about the big picture things. We're not really debating uh, all these other things. We are glad that it's not the bubonic plague early on. They were saying that 2 million people might die. Of course, that would have been a very, very different kind of scenario. And, and probably it would have come here to Seminole County, where I live. Mm-hmm. So I guess, in a way, 
I'm a beneficiary of, you know, as you are and everyone who lives around here, of them being very careful. And I do believe in being careful, but we cannot turn it into a police state. That is going to be far worse than a few people dying because there's all kinds of unfortunate deaths that we live with. Automobile crashes are one of them. And if I remember correctly, about 50,000 people die of car wrecks, but they don't outlaw cars. Mm-hmm. And th- people die in swimming pools. They don't outlaw swimming pools. And there's all kinds of examples. I think here it was new, there was no vaccine, and it was scary. And, and it was election time. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I'm probably the first one. In fact, if you read my books, You know, one of the reasons I say Trump could lose is because the other side is so dishonest. Mm. But you know what? This is bigger than the Democratic Party. I mean, uh, I did a podcast on how France has shut things down, and it was Mm. much more severe. Much Listen, they would have arrested me for going to drive-in church in France. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, much, much more severe, and it's all over the world. Now, at first, the left, in fact, de Blasio and all kinds of people were saying, oh, it was safe to go on the New York subways, and Trump was wrong to have the travel ban. Of course, they changed their tune real quick. So here they said it wasn't very bad. Then when they saw they could beat up Trump with it, they started trying to call it the Trump virus to see if it would catch on. It didn't. I mean, there's a lot of examples of how those things happen. I document as much of this as I can in the book. I don't document everything. It's not an encyclopedia. It's a quick read, and it's just my way to help the reader to kind of navigate this, to talk about the spiritual aspect, and also talk about China. I haven't mentioned that very much, but I did a couple of podcasts. In fact, on May 12th, I got a text message about some stuff, inside stuff from China, that it was much worse than they said, that it was from a lab, not a wet market. Mm-hmm. And they even gave the name of the woman that released it. And I thought, this sounds like a conspiracy theory. And how in the world can we verify anything? But it did cause me to track down Dennis Balcom, one of the biggest podcasts I ever had. He's a missionary in Hong Kong. And of course, he was not able to verify the part about the lab, but he said, it is worse than the government saying. And he was able to tell us what was happening in the church. And in some ways, almost a revival in the church with the church able to minister on the streets. Of course, they did it with a face mask. People would go to church with a face mask in China before it got bad here. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. Why didn't we do that here? So since February 12th, when I got that, actually it led to a, an interview with Dennis Balcom. I later interviewed the Chinese-American man whose name we Uh, we called him Jay, who had gotten it. Now, he lives in America. In fact, his English isn't very good. But he got this information from China. Of course, you don't know. It's like that thing we're talking about Mike Evans or Dr. Mm -hmm. Koran. You know, you're coming down to one person's opinion. It was hard to know. But now it's coming out in the news, even with kind of an expose documentary by Fox News' Brett Baer, that it probably did come from the lab, and and we know that China lies, and China made it much more worse than it should have been. SARS and the swine flu, which both came from China, hello, were both pretty much contained in China. And would to God that the Wuhan virus, which is what Lou Dobbs likes to call it, mm-hmm. and which That's... the media started calling it early, and then they decided it was xenophobic to, or racist to call it the Wuhan virus. But it, I think it's called the Chinese coronavirus. There are a lot of coronaviruses. And of course, they shortened it to be COVID-19. And that's what we call it now. 
Well, sir, we're so out of time, but I, I wanted to ask you another question. We'll, I want to go to your website first, make sure that all of our listeners know they can go find a two-chapter download of your book at GodTrump2020.com. Is that correct? That's the website for the big book, the mm-hmm. main book. Yes. The, uh, the book that in a lot of ways is more important. It's much longer. It's around 90,000 words instead mm-hmm. of in the 30s. And so it's a subset. In fact, the two books kind of go together. In fact, I just wrote an epilogue and said if the coronavirus had happened when I was writing the book, a lot of what I put in the, this book would have been in the first book. Sure. So the two chapters there, the one is on China, and the other is what are the prophets saying. They were two mm-hmm. chapters in a row. They just lent themselves. We put it there. People can download it for free. And we're going to sell PDF downloads. We've never done this before. So you can sell your ebook. For did you have the price yet? Have you decided on your price to sell it for online? Yes, we have. Now these things are subject to change, right. <laughs> but it's going to be basically five dollars. I think four ninety five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be on Kindle later. It'll more in the fifteen dollar range. Mm-hmm. The book will be available through Amazon. Small quantities we're going to print. You know, it's not going to be a, a, a huge print run like some. Uh, certainly, like. A, God Trump the 2020 election. There's still a lot of books out of the market. People can still get it. And I'm expecting that this book is going to actually intrigue people to read the other book. And so that's kind of why we're marketing them together and trying to make it easy for people. And hopefully it'll work. Maybe people can give us in. uh, I guess ultimately if they go out and read the book and encourage other people to read it and maybe buy some copies for people to... I saw a Facebook post last night on your site where people said, you need to get one more book out before the election in November. Are you up to that? <laughs> I, I actually answered the guy and said, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have one more question for you. We've got to close this show, but this is an important question, and I know that you've got an answer for us. The Democrats, as we know, that they just didn't have a message in 2016. What do you think their campaign will focus on against Trump? We know it's going to be an againer message. What do you think they'll do to attack Trump? Because that probably will be their message. They haven't seemed to have anything else to talk about. So what do you think the 2020 Democratic platform is going to focus on? It's going to do exactly what you said. They're going to say they're not Trump, and and they're going to espouse all this garbage that people are calling the Green New Deal. Now, literally, the Green New Deal included no airplanes, uh, no cows, Mm-hmm. because of uh, flatulence. Isn't that funny? Yes. And, I mean, how are people going to get to Hawaii? I mean, we're not going to go back to... But yet, they've adopted a bunch of this stuff. And it's just double talk. And it's talking about, we'll give you this, and we'll give you that, and we'll give you something else. They don't worry about it. They just promise it. Most mm-hmm. politicians don't follow through on their promises anyway, unlike Donald Trump. And um, it's scary because when somebody gets on the ticket, sometimes weird things can happen and then get in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that they have had a weaker candidate than Joe Biden. He can't even, you know, my mother has a level of dementia and I'm not a doctor and I don't mean to diagnose, but he's only a few years younger than my mother. And some of the nonsense stuff he says make, makes me wonder if he's not got some form of dementia. Now he's got this scandal, which on the surface seems much more serious than it's the one with, with Kavanaugh. And with Kavanaugh, it was believe the woman, believe the woman, believe the woman. And this time it's ignore the woman, ignore the woman. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? And it's I just do. it's just a horrible double standard. You know, there are people speculating that uh, Biden may drop out and that they'll pick somebody like Cuomo at the last minute. I, I really think that that's a possibility. But again, who knows what's going to happen now? A lot of time. You know, I can remember when uh, George McGovern ran and he had a vice president named uh, Shriver, who was part of the Kennedy clan. Sergeant Shriver. Sergeant Shriver. Weird first name. Mm -hmm. Around August, right before the election, they discovered that he had taken Prozac or something like it for some kind of mental illness. And it was so disturbing that he actually dropped out as vice president. And they they had a little mini convention and picked somebody else. I don't even remember who they picked. did it in the hotel. Yeah. Right right in the hotel. So, you know, there is precedent. I mean, it was a vice president, not the president. And McGovern was beaten pretty badly. Mm -hmm. But it's possible. It is possible. And with everything in the air, it's possible. Now, I personally believe that Donald Trump will win. I go into this and guide Trump the 2020 election. I believe that the prophets have said he would win. And I think that that will happen. I think there'll be a lot of zigzagging between here and there. But I think at the end of the day that he will win. Well, that's a great place to end the podcast. We want to recommend your book again to my listeners for sure. The name of the book is God, Trump, and COVID-19, How the Pandemic Has Affected the World, America, and the 2020 Election. Steve, thank you for spending time with us on this show. Thanks for writing a book in 19 days just for America. I think this is a gift to America, and we appreciate you writing it, and God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for the privilege. You've been listening to the Green Lines Podcast. I'm Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. On behalf of my producer, Adley, we encourage you to go to this website, GodTrump2020.com. One more time, GodTrump2020.com. You'll find the goodies there. God bless you all, and thanks for listening. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and I just wanted to draw attention to the book itself. You can get it on my own website, which is called SteveStrangBooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang. There's no E on the end of Strang. And then the word books with an S on it, stevestrangbooks.com. You can also, of course, get it on amazon.com or christianbooks.com, barnesandnoble.com, you know, really any of the online uh, booksellers, you can get it. And also, you can get it in the Kindle version, or you can get a printed version. We're making it available uh, far and wide. And I hope that you'll not only read it, but you'll share it with friends. You might even want to buy some for friends. On my site, we have some specials where you can get multiple copies or combinations, um, you know, at a lower price. On the other booksellers, you know, they basically sell them one by one, but we have some specials that you might want to check out. And your buying a book helps us get the word out, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the book, the word out far and wide. So thank you for checking out those websites, and thank you to listening. This was a little bit different podcast, but I thought you'd enjoy it. God bless you.